welcome to the Maluli Asset Management Podcast for March 27th, 2013. This is Brendan, and today Tom and I are going to be talking about the two kinds of mutual funds, uh, open-end funds and closed-end funds. So what do we have to start with about those, Tom? I'm going to uh, start out by saying that there's there's two main categories of funds, open-end and closed-end, and um, I, I just want to spend a moment talking about closed-end funds, and we'll spend the rest of the time really focusing on open-end funds. A closed-end fund, uh, they were created in the 1920s, so they've been around nearly 100 years. Uh, closed-end funds are a basket of stocks, just like a regular mutual fund, but their stock trades on the exchange, on the stock exchange. And uh, not only do you get the basket of stock that moves up and down each day on the exchange, but you also get a uh, supply and demand feature as well because there's a limited number of shares with a closed-end fund. But open-end funds, as Brendan and I were discussing, are very different. With an open-end fund, and that's the way most people know and recognize mutual funds, Open-end funds, when you send money to Putnam or to a different mutual fund company, they simply create more shares in the fund. That's why they're called um, open-end funds. Right, and there are three types of uh, open-end funds uh, you mentioned to me before. There's front-end, right. back-end, mm -hmm. and low-level load. Yes, and there's also other places where you'll see mutual funds. You'll find them wrapped into annuities, and you'll also find them in your 401k or your deferred comp account at work. Those are completely different classes of funds. They're the same funds with different pricing structures, so we really won't be focusing on them. What we really wanted to talk about today were the ways that individuals would invest in mutual funds with uh, one of these three different um, structures. Okay, so before we get into talking about the three primary types specifically, uh, there's two main fees built into most funds. You know, what are they? Okay, so the first fee that you're going to find in a mutual fund are management expenses. And your management expenses are sometimes broken down further into management and administrative. But the management expenses cover paying the fund manager and paying for all of the advertising and the printing of prospectuses and the trading costs that go into running a mutual fund. And, you know, the, the mutual funds all do a very good job of trying to keep their expenses as low as possible. But the other type of fee that you're going to find built into most mutual funds are sales charges. And that's really where you can see the uh, cost of investing through a mutual fund really uh, get a little out of control. Right. So let's get into the three uh, primary types then, and we'll start with front end. What do you have to say about those? Okay, front end uh, mutual funds were how mutual funds were sold for years and years and years. Uh, you can typically recognize them because you pay a sales charge at the door, meaning your sales charge is assessed on the day that you invest that's the bad news. The good news is that you're never going to have a sales charge associated with that mutual fund ever again. And mutual funds uh, also will give you a break point if you invest more and more and more into a mutual fund. You might pay, say, 5% 
when you're investing $10,000, but if you're investing, say, $100,000, you may only wind up paying uh, 2.5 or, or a lower sales charge as well. You have to really check each prospectus to see what the fees are, but uh, you do pay your, your fees up front. Okay, how about back end? Okay, back end, uh, you, don't, you still have management expenses. However, with a back end fund, you're going to see uh, higher management expenses on average. Uh, these back end funds, you don't pay a sales charge when you invest in them. However, if you were to get out of the fund at any point uh, over the next five or six years, you're going to have a deferred sales charge on the way out. So if you were to exit a back-end fund in the first 12 months, you might be looking at a 5 or 6% sales charge on the way out. That's a real whack. Yeah, definitely. And, and a lot of people buy a mutual fund and they want to be long-term on this. If they sell a mutual fund in less than a year, it's probably because they're losing money. Right. So if they're losing money and then they're going to pay 5 or 6% on losing the way out. Money. <laughs> yeah, it's a real kick in the pants. Yeah. Um, so you don't have a sales charge up front, but that sales charge that you do have declines each year. So you might pay, say, uh, 6% in year one. In year two, it'll be 5% if you sell the fund, and then 4% in year three, and then 3%, 2%, 1%. You, you get the idea. But they also have these 12B1 fees that are built into your, into your fund, and they're assessed every year. You don't even see it because it's sliced off in pennies on a monthly basis from the price of the fund. And so what these 12B1 fees are is a way for the mutual fund firms to recapture the sales charge that they paid the broker or the advisor when these funds were purchased. See, you may not have a sales charge until you sell it, but the broker or the advisor gets paid the day that he places that order. So he's getting paid 5% the day that that money goes into the mutual fund. You may not have a sales charge, though, until you sell it a year or two or four down the road. Okay, so let's get to uh, the last kind, which are the low-level load. Yeah, and low-level load funds are the, the new kid on the block. They have not been around as long as um, uh, back-end and certainly not uh, as long as front-end funds. But again, you're looking at higher management expenses. The way low-level load works is no sales charge to the client up front. If the client does sell the fund in the first 12 months, they're looking at 1% on the way out. That doesn't sound so bad. Uh, the broker gets paid 1% on the day that the order is placed. However, there's a 1% 12B1 fee built into your fund every year. Okay, so what happens is on the anniversary date when that fund, uh, when you've been in that fund and you're going into your second year, the broker gets paid 1% again. In the third year, he gets paid 1% again. That broker or advisor gets 1% on this money every single year. You're paying for it because it's built into a, a 12B1 fee. And we're going to show you a, a table at the end of our presentation to show you how much these, uh, these low-level load funds can really, really hurt. Okay. So one thing you always hear from, from brokers, though, is that all returns are net of fees and expenses. That's true. That is very true. So if you have a mutual fund that returned 12%, it is net of all the fees. However, uh, it's very true, but I, you need to keep in mind that it's not 1987 anymore. It's 2013 and I can probably find an exchange traded fund or two 
or three that can do the exact same thing that your mutual fund can do and it can be a lot more efficient because we can manage the risk by putting stops or limit orders with these and we can also um, move in and out of them based on price throughout the day. There's a lot more efficiencies with exchange traded funds but the main thing to keep in mind is exchange traded funds came into being because they offered a much lower pricing structure than the typical mutual fund that's out there. Right and we're gonna look at that in this uh, chart. Yeah. We have a good example here. Okay so I'm not picking on Putnam. Uh, Putnam has lots of mutual funds uh, but this global healthcare fund that they have, they have class A, class B, and class C. Now we refer to a front-end load fund uh, sometimes as class A shares and a back-end fund you'll often hear referred to as B shares and a low-level load fund are often called C shares. So let's walk through some numbers. If you were to put, uh, say, uh, $10,000 into the Putnam Global Healthcare Fund in A shares, you'd be paying a sales charge of $575 on the day that you place the order. Uh, that goes to the broker. There are some small 12B1 fees. The management expenses you'll see in this table are the same across the board, no matter A, B, or C. So you're looking at a total annual expense in A shares of a little over one and a quarter percent per year. Now when you combine that, uh, when you compare that to the B and the C shares, you can see the cost really goes up. Now the class B shares, that sales charge is 5%, but you don't pay that, uh, at least not up front. The broker gets paid 5%. Uh, the mutual fund, Putnam, assesses a 1% 12B1 fee every year in an effort to recapture the 5% that they paid the advisor or the broker up front. So a B share is now costing you 2% a year. Class C shares work the same way. You don't have a sales charge up front, but it's 1% on the way out, and then 1% every year to the broker and so your annual expenses with uh, Class C shares, again, over 2% a year. And, you know, 2% a year is really expensive. I mean, if you take a look at the Maluli Asset Management fee schedule, I mean, you'd be shocked to see the kind of numbers uh, that we have. So that's why we always really want to focus on keeping your costs down. Now, Putnam doesn't have an exchange-traded fund uh, that offers a global health care approach, but in our research for this podcast, we were able to come up with 30 exchange-traded funds in this niche that offered the same kind of positions that you'd find in the Putnam Global Healthcare Fund. And there's no sales charges, you don't have 12B1 fees, uh, you do have management expenses, but you can see they're less than what you'd have in the traditional open-end mutual fund. So with a, an exchange-traded fund, lower management fees, you will have a commission when you buy or sell that. But the other thing that we've uh, discovered over the last few months is that a lot of discount firms are now offering commission-free exchange-traded funds. That's great. It really is. It, you know, TD Ameritrade and Charles Schwab are kind of leading the charge with that, and Fidelity is getting into the mix. So it, it is really important that you know what you're paying for when you do get involved in these investments. So when it comes to these investments, we want to tell you that none of the securities that we mentioned in this presentation uh, represent a past specific recommendation of Maluli Asset Management. 
And this presentation is not a recommendation to buy or sell any of these names that we've mentioned here. And quite frankly, if you're relying on a podcast for investment advice, we think you might be making a big mistake. And so we strongly urge our listeners to consult with their investment advisor before they make that decision to buy or sell any kind of investment. Now, if you don't have an investment advisor, we'd be happy to talk to you and help you out. You can find us on the web at maluli.net, or you can call us at 732-223-9000. All right, that's all we have for this week. Hopefully you learned something about the three primary types of open-end mutual funds, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.